Thank you for joining us on this podcast. You will be listening in on a conversation between Brandon Poe and Drew Kiesler about Drew's purchase of a CPA practice and subsequent growth. Brandon Poe is the founder of Poe Group Advisors, a leading-edge practice brokerage and coaching firm serving accountants in the U.S. and Canada. Drew Kiesler is the owner of Kiesler CPA, PLLC in Raleigh, North Carolina. After graduating from East Carolina University's Master of Science in Accounting program, Drew worked with a large international CPA firm for several years before starting his practice in 2010 and acquiring a practice through Poe Group Advisors shortly thereafter. His practice focuses on helping entrepreneurs efficiently run and grow their businesses and helping individuals and families navigate their tax and financial lives. So I'm, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Drew Kiesler. Uh, Drew bought a firm through us several years ago. Um, Drew, are you ready to enlighten our listeners with your insights and observations? I am. I am. All right. Perfect. Um, well, we'd like to start just by getting to know you a little better. Uh, if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself personally, your background, and and how did how you chose accounting as a profession? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, my background, uh, I guess I could kind of go the, the educational route and kind of that path um, to, to explain, but um, I'm from North Carolina, uh, grew up in Raleigh, um, went to UNC in Chapel Hill um, for undergrad and majored in sociology, actually. Um, oh, wow. And... Yeah, yeah, kind of a weird, weird path of sociology to accounting, but got out of uh, got out of undergrad. Really didn't know kind of what I wanted to do um, at that point, and had a had a working fluency in Spanish actually, and, and was hired by a property management company to help manage a an apartment complex that had a lot of Hispanic speakers in there. So I kind of solved that problem for them, and and once I got in into that role, really. Um, kind of gravitated towards the financial side of it and kind of moved up within that and, and really kind of took took over a lot of the financial side of it and kind of knew in that industry that there wasn't um, – I, I didn't see a clear path for me, I guess, and, and knew I was interested in the financial side of things, and I, and I kind of explored different opportunities to continue my education kind of in that path and, and what I could do. And I had a, a bunch of friends from, from undergrad that had – gone into the Mac program at UNC and were working in big four firms and doing really cool stuff and, and seemed to like it. It seemed like a great, you know, field and a great, um, kind of a great avenue to, to, to get to all kinds of different things. Interned at McGladry, um, in the summer in between and then went to work for them right after graduating and spent wow. about two years at McGladry before jumping out on my own, um, and starting the practice. So, yeah, that's kind of my my path to accounting. That's an interesting path, uh, sociology to accounting. That's um, I don't think I've ever met anyone that came to no. accounting from that that from that well, major in undergrad. Interesting. Right? Yeah, it was kind of I need, needed to, I wanted to go ahead and get out as quickly as possible in the sociology for whatever reason happened to be the yeah. the easiest <laughs> path, and yeah, I wanted to get out and get working and see see what the world was like. Um, but it's funny, I always say. Um, I, I randomly, an undergrad, took a took an accounting class and and did well in it. It did not take that as an indication that I needed to, to kind of keep going with it. So it's funny, right. funny how things so work you, out. So you purchased your practice in what year? What was that? That was twenty ten. Twenty ten. July, July of twenty ten. And how old were you when you made that purchase? 
I had just turned 28. Wow, yeah, I just turned 28. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had several um, really young buyers just in the past, I guess, a couple of months. I've made contact with people, and I didn't realize how young they were when they purchased. And um, um, I talked to a gentleman in Charlotte who purchased when he was 25. Wow. And wow. Uh, now he's in his, I guess, late 30s, and he's got quite a few, I don't know how many employees now. It's, he's really grown it. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you just uh, for fun and kind of get the ball rolling a little more is if you would share an inspirational quote or a mantra and uh, just explain what it is and how it might have impacted you. Yeah. I've always liked the quote, and it's attributed to several different people um, where they don't know who it's attributed to, but it's just a great quote that 90% of life is just showing up. Um, so I try to keep that in mind. And, and you know, when, when you've got your plan and, and you're getting strained and you're feeling like you're getting off track, just kind of coming back to the plan, kind of going through the motions, for lack of a better word, in some, in, uh, in, in some instances, um, what I feel like just kind of following through on things and, and showing up and do what you say, doing what you said you were going to do um, gets you get you very far, far farther than a lot of people think it will. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a, a great that's a quote, quote. I always keep in mind. That's a great quote for a business owner too, because there are those days where things don't feel like they're going right, and you have to right? just uh, stay the course. So I like that. Right. All right. Yeah, Thank before you, you know it, you're, you're you're kind of back on track and um but yeah, that kind of keeps you focused, keep you on track and and uh moving in the right direction. Cool. Um what what made you what made you want to buy a practice? Like how did that idea come about? Um I I grew up in a entrepreneurial family. My dad's always been self-employed and and started his own business probably a little younger than I did. Um, you know, so just kind of growing up in that sort of lifestyle and, um, you just wanting to have my own shop, kind of having that security. Um, uh, that was kind of the funny thing is you, you start your own business. A lot of people think you're, you're crazy and it's very risky. I saw it kind of the other way. I you know, kind of saw it that, um, you're kind of eliminating any, any risk that you might have in your career with a big firm or, or wherever you might be working. You really have kind of the control over, over your destiny. So that's really kind of what it was and just business is fascinating and setting up a business was exciting and, and fascinating and something I knew I wanted to do and kind of at that age or, or that point in my life and that age um, was kind of the, saw that as kind of the opportune time to do it. Um, still, you know, relatively low, low responsibilities and, and high flexibility and, um, yeah. and all of that kind of provided the opportunity to to do it, um, whereas I think it might have been a little bit harder at different stages of life. Yeah, so your your income needs weren't quite as high as, you know, if you had a family with children and you had some right. time to devote to it. And now, did you think about going into business for yourself? Like when you were, when you were in graduate school, did, did you always know that was sort of the path that you wanted to be on is to be self-employed? Did you know at that point or did you not know or did you realize that once you kind of got into public practice working I think I, with someone else. I, I'm sorry to, sorry to cut you off. I, no, no. I, uh, I, I think I realized that as I got into my career at, at McGladry, I, I went into audit. I was an audit at McGladry and, and really 
didn't realize how much I would like the client service part of it. I mean, I knew I would kind of like it, but that ended up really being a huge, huge um, part of it for me. And um, I, you know, went into audit thinking I'm, you know, would have more opportunities in, in private and other things I could do and all of that. Um, but I ended up really liking the kind of the the seasonality. It can be brutal, but I really like it. And and uh, you know, the client service. So kind of wanted to stay in public and and you know, work with smaller businesses, you know, more intimately and, and, and closer than the, you know, the big firm clients. Um, so, yeah, yeah I kind of came to that realization when I was there and um, and, and just kind of started chipping away at it there in the past, you know, the final kind of six to nine months, just kind of exploring it and, and, and making sure it was feasible and doable and, um, you know, before making the jump there in, there in 2010. That's great. That's great. Now, so, so how how has it been? You've um, we're here in early 2018 as of this recording, and you bought in 2010. Where where's your practice today in terms of just revenue, staff, profitability, and where was it when you purchased? To give people kind of an idea of of, yeah. uh, of your your growth since you bought. Sure. Yeah. So um, the practice I bought. Um, had about it's about 160 returns. It's probably the best metric, I think, um, and about 78,000 in revenue. So from there, um, we have, uh, I guess, number of client-wise, probably we'll prepare five right at 500 returns this year. Wow. Relationship-wise, probably tripled relationship-wise. Um, Revenue, um, revenue last year was right at 475, so we'll hit, budgeted to hit 510, 515 this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the growth has been great. It's been great, um, and, and a lot of that is attributable to the clients in the practice that, that were purchased. And um, you know, the previous owner, you know, re- really focused her time in tax season, and 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 you know did. Did the returns, was there for advice, and, and, and did the payroll, and kind of did the, you know, the sales and use tax returns, um, but really didn't didn't do much bookkeeping, didn't do much back office stuff, didn't do much advisory stuff, which was her desire and kind of how the she had molded the practice to kind of work for her her lifestyle and, and needs there. Um, but but there was some some pent up need, um, and a lot of those clients for for more. Um, so a lot of the mm-hmm. growth has been just kind of maximizing the relationships of the of the clients from that yeah. acquisition. And of course, um, you know, we kind of stopped tracking the second, second and third tier referrals from, from the client base, but it would be interesting to go back and, and kind of graph all that out and see, um, where everyone came from. But it's, you kind of got to the point where it's, Hey, this was a, <laughs> this was a good move. We can stop tracking, yeah. uh, tracking, uh, you know, where, where we are with it at this point. But, um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of part of the due diligence process for me was just, here are these clients kind of what, Technically, or, or, or you know, we're comfortable with the work, of course, and 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 kind of what the potential future needs, um, you know, or current needs that they have, and, and future needs that they might have. Um, so just as a, the relationship strengthened and developed, and trust, more and more trust got built, you know, we were able to kind of take on more and more. And of course, as our our staffing um, kind of grew, and, and the composition of everyone here grew too, we were able to, to do more. Uh, which was a you know a big piece of being able to do more is to you know to uh, have the people to do it 
Because at that point, sure. I, I, you know, I had maxed out everything I could do, and um, I'd say, I'd say, of all the challenges, staffing has been the biggest challenge. Kind of finding the right people and keeping them around, because uh, as most, yeah. as you know, and most practitioners will know, if you're if you're good at what you do, it's 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 possible for you to go do it yourself. So it's been hard to to attract and retain and, and kind of keep quality staff. Um, and my wife, Margaret's a CPA too. I don't know if you know that. And she, um, she joined the practice in 2015. So she was at ENY for five years and made manager. And, um, we kind of had a really, really big growth year from 14 going into 15. So got enough on the board for her to be able to make the jump going into that next season and not have a, a kind of dip in our income or huge dip in our income. So we pulled that off and, that season went up to four, including her and me. Um, and then after that season, went back down to just her and I and found a really, really awesome um, staff accountant who's completely remote. Um, and she's been with us for about a year and a half. Yeah, a little oh, over wow. a year and a half now. So, yeah, so there's three of us now, and we've had an admin person. We've had um, just kind of a staff accountant, um, data entry person um, that could do some light bookkeeping. Um, but we're kind of to the point now where – uh, we're doing more back, like I mentioned before, kind of back office support, um, kind of business process outsourcing, kind of doing everything for clients. Um, so we need each staff person to kind of be able to handle anything from 1099s to payroll up to corporate return preparation and 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 kind of higher level stuff. So finding finding yeah. those folks that have that range of skills has been has been challenging. It's interesting. The staffing issue is extremely common. I mean, I talk to CPAs every day, and that's probably the number one <clears throat> challenge that people face is is uh, getting people who are, you know, willing to work hard and think. And it sounds like the type of work that you're asking people to do requires a lot of variety, and you're probably looking for a particular type of staff person that's attracted to that. And, um, yeah, I could see how they they might want to go out on their own eventually if um, if they get to a certain point. Well, let me let me ask you this: What advice would you give to somebody who's planning to start a practice from scratch, or or buy a small practice? Um, what advice would you give them? Having a you know, I think most people that are going to take that plunge have some sort of a plan in place and 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 aren't just jumping into it blindly. But but looking back, I wish I had had a a plan that kind of helped drive my almost my day-to-day activities. I kind of knew I wanted to have this number of clients by this this year or this milestone, but not kind of bringing that all the way back to kind of what I'm doing day-to-day, week-to-week, um, which is kind of how I've gotten just with with how we run tax season pace analysis and you know, making sure we're we're on track. We kind of break it down to to, to the finest detail possible, and that's been the result of years of trial and error, but I wish I had kind of gotten that far down into the details in the very beginning. That would have helped allay a lot of the anxiety in the very beginning, just kind of knowing you're on track, right. having a plan to, to kind of show up at the office and, and get to work. Um, and um, ha- maybe having a little bit more targeted focus on, on, on um, you know, business development in the very beginning. I think at the beginning you're, you're happy to do anything that uh, will pay you. <laughs> But you kind of uh, three or four years down the line when that that client you were so happy to get in the beginning just has become not strategic or potentially a problem. 
um, that yeah. you've got to deal with at that point, which which can be you know potentially just as stressful as not having enough quite enough business right in the very beginning. So uh, right. that's been a huge deal, but but it's something I always think about as I'm dealing with kind of attrition um, now um, and just kind of refining the client base. Just wish I'd have been a little more focused and not. Not not picked up this you know this particular client when 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 you probably knew at that time in the bottom of your gut that it probably wasn't a good idea but you needed the business and um, yeah yeah so just I guess just overall kind of very detailed planning that could help you on a more kind of day to day scale as opposed to the big higher level you know business plan that everyone you know puts together before they start something like that. Right. Yeah, and the business plan is kind of that higher level, and you're right. The planning. Um, no, I get what you're saying with the additional planning, but everybody has the problem with clients. I think early on you you have to you know you have to have enough revenue to kind of get things going, and that's a hard uh, that's a hard need to kind of overcome emotionally and, and be able to be selective. So it, you know, your progression is probably pretty normal. I think is. You yeah, get more selective as you as you go along. So right, good. and and kind of um, tamping down that that thrill of the kill. Um, you know, even even now, you, you get a new client coming your way, and you find you, you find yourself getting just as excited as you did in the very beginning, and not kind of taking a step back and looking at them as strategically as you as you now can once you've kind of gotten to a point where, yeah, it's not you know it's not survival mode. Um, so I always right. struggle with that too. Just don't get don't get too excited. Just kind of look at this from a higher level and, and make sure it's a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let me let me move on to my next question. So, what is one idea, observation, or insight you've had or learned from your work that you consider to be the major contributor to the success of your clients? Like, what have you? Uh, maybe give us an example of a particular client. The observation I had um, was just, and I guess this has been about probably about four years, three or four years, um, you know, just kind of going, yeah, not doing any bookkeeping work. You know, we did a little bit and then had referral relationships with bookkeepers and would kind of farm that out. And uh, between what we got from other bookkeepers and the client themselves and taxis, and it's just um, – you know, you're, you're spinning your wheels and 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 have twenty five hundred dollars in out of scope time fixing book bookkeeping issues, and you're handing a client a three thousand dollar invoice for a seven hundred dollar tax return, and they're not happy, you're not happy. Um, it's unexpected. It's you know just exacerbates the you know the the workload compression in tax season. Your staff doesn't you know staff doesn't like the work. Um, so I kind of had that observation. What, what's a better way to do this? And and how can we redeploy the same fee dollars to um, make life easier for the client and, and, and us? Um, so that was kind of the the genesis of of the whole package service approach, which um, um, you know I think a lot of firms kind of come to that realization. Um, so it's that was kind of the need, and it's just turned out that it's been just a great direction for the business that um, almost the smallest of small businesses can justify a, a you know a, a, a you know three three four hundred dollar a month um, kind of commitment to have everything done for them you know down to mm-hmm. you know bookkeeping 1099s payroll um, tax projections kind of overall 
management of their, of their tax situation throughout the year, return prep, kind of everything. Um, and then that provides a foundation for, for potential higher level advisory um, work. You have it all there. Yeah. It's already kind of done in, in-house. So it makes everything else you do for them more efficient. Um, so, and it's not a hard not a hard sell when they're already paying you you know three three thousand ish at a minimum maybe for for everything um, on an a la carte basis for the have to stuff and intermittent advice throughout the year um, and, and and maybe one hundred fifty two hundred dollars a month for payroll so it's it's not a not a hard sell or it's not hard to to prove the value so that was a kind of a big observation or insight that we had um, and it came from a problem and and now it's kind of turned into um, kind of where the where the business is headed we're probably of the 320 or so relationships that we have um i would say right at 40 of those are package service clients and it's 45 percent of overall revenue is attributed attributed to yeah. those 40 40 or so clients so so it's been the goal's now been kind of an os- to oscillate from you know a traditional approach to just return you know just yeah return preparation yeah, I knew, uh, and I knew a guy that built his whole business around that sort of model and he ended up with he ended up with about a hundred clients and they were all highly entrepreneurial clients and uh they were paying him on average about fifteen thousand a year with the advisory and tax planning kind of full service and I mean it took him thirty years to build his client base, but um right. you know to do 1.5 million on um, 100 clients is it's awesome. hard to it's, it's hard to imagine, but it's a pretty awesome business model. Yeah, um, it is, and it's 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 you know, and, and as you as you get into it and kind of build it out and understand it and change it, I mean, it's it's most of the work is very easily delegated. It's very very easy to organize it within the practice. Um, you know, it's just standardization of everything you're doing. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. kind of have get it. We get a new client, and, and and there's a process we go through, set it all up in our workflow system, and and uh, we we don't miss too much. Um, we work hard not not to, and have it set up correctly and set up well. Um, spend a lot of time in the setup just to make sure that happens. But it's yeah, it's it's a great it's a great business model. That's and that's interesting that you you mentioned that. I always say my dream would be a hundred a hundred relationships <laughs> um yeah. producing yeah x and revenue and tax season's probably not not that not that stressful as compared to the rest of the year and that that's a, that'd be a nice bonus so um yeah uh, I have a feeling you might just get there one day <laughs> um, we're gonna try we're gonna try and yeah. it's uh you don't wanna you don't wanna kind of put all put all your eggs in that basket and can at this point you know, uh, you know yeah. kind of as we grow but uh but kind of move, moving that way moving that way it's uh, i think it's the way to go and as you mentioned before it seems to be the way um a lot of small firms are going there's just a huge need there and and mm-hmm. the clients are coming to you with a lot of the, the questions and, and now i think with technology we're able to answer them and kind of take yeah. care of it for them and kind of with a lot of these clients we started with just after the fact bookkeeping, you know, just doing the bookkeeping, but now we're, we're invoicing their clients for them. We're running their payroll. We're serving as a, you know, liaison between them and their employees with just simple payroll related tasks. So more kind of business process outsourcing than just accounting, just stand, you know, traditional accounting, um, 
you know, function. So, yeah, yeah, it just provides a great foundation for all kinds of different things. Right. Um, well, you, you might not have focused too much on threats, but my next question is what do you consider to be the most serious threat facing the profession as a whole, and um, how do you think firms can address that threat? Um, yeah, I thought about that one, and I think that, you know, maybe technology being a double-edged sword, um, you know, and just clients having options out there online to get bookkeeping done. Um, we've had a few clients use Bench, um, you know, a few, a few have liked it, a few haven't. Um, so I think, the, you know, the ability to, for them to leverage technology to, to, to kind of take care of the various pieces they might you know, have had you take care of, um, or you currently take care of, could could be a threat. So maybe, you know, and, and responding to that, being out ahead of the technology and kind of incorporating it into into the practice and how we operate, so they don't have a reason to kind of look elsewhere. Um, yeah. Just kind of being, I guess, being out ahead of it would would be a way to mitigate it. But it seems like that, at least on a small small business scale, kind of where we where we are. Um, that seems like the biggest threat. You know, clients are mm-hmm. when we give them a fee quote, they're they're kind of looking, um, they're looking at that. You know, in comparison to them cobbling cobbling it all together themselves, um, largely online. Um, you know, with online avenues um, or resources. Well, what what opportunities are you seeing coming up that are exciting? I, I just think, in back to the technology, just the ability for for you to do more for 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 the client i mean it, it it creeps into as i mentioned before it's like creeping into you know almost business process outsourcing like things that they would hire, have to hire people to do and we find a lot of clients just love that they can leverage an existing relationship that's outside of their internal their organization um so a lot of this is super a lot of what we do is super sensitive and it's attractive to not have an internal employee be doing it um, so just uh i i guess back to your back to the root of your question of um kind of what what, what do we see uh, i just i just kind of see that just more um, just kind of being able to put more on the on the the strong foundation of the c p a client relationship Okay, are you up to a few rapid-fire questions? Yeah, this, fire away. Uh, where I, all right, I'm going to give you a quick succession of questions, and you give me a quick answer. Um, what's one thing that's really exciting you right now? I would say um, just kind of everything that ha- is happening on the technology front. I, I just feel like the past, maybe the past two years, it just seems like there's been just a a, a lot that's come out, um, just a lot of different tools, a lot of different ways of doing things, and it's just exciting to see and read about what other firms are doing, what ways they're implementing things, and and, and ways we can work that into what we're doing. Um, that's that's one thing that keeps me excited and kind of engaged, and um, you know, excited about coming to work and, and growing the business. It's just finding do, new and different ways to do things, and it seems like you know, technology is what's what's driving that. So. Yeah. Um, just learning about it, seeing what's out there, digesting your options, figuring out how to, you know, work the best options into the practice. That's always that's always been exciting to me and kind of continues to be. Yeah, kind of like you've got a constant sort of innovative approach to things, which yeah. is really, uh, I'm sure that's very helpful. 
What's yeah. the best advice you've ever received? Um, the best advice I've ever received, I think as it relates to owning a business and, and starting a business is, um, it's funny, I think it came from a client of mine who, um, she was a, she was a dentist and she um, had got, you know, was being brought into the practice that she worked for as an associate dentist and, and had learned a lot of lessons from her, her, uh, I guess, partner at that point. Um, and this guy had, had been around a while and had a lot of offices and done really, really well. And he, uh, he had frequently gotten off track, gotten, you know, kind of ran, you know, ran down some path trying to go after some real estate, you know, venture or this or that. And, and always seemed to come back, kind of come back to his, his practice and, and, and that being the, the place where he could do the best financially and, and, and kind of from all angles. And, um, so I, I've always tried to, th- to keep that in mind. And that particular story, I guess, just, you know, exemplifies an overall idea of not, not getting, uh, trying, trying not to get, you know, too, too excited about other ventures that might be happening. Uh, just kind of stay focused on what you do and what you, what you, you know, what you know. Um, yeah. And, and as I mentioned before, kind of on the previous question, you know, there's there's plenty to be excited about. So if I ever, you know, you get you kind of gr- grinding things out towards the end of tax season and, and take your break and come back, there's just always something going on in this industry and with your clients that's that's exciting and um, kind of stokes that that uh, that excitement to, to kind of keep you going. So um, I, I think that t- a lot of people have the temptation of trying to get into this or trying to get into that um, if they might be kind of bored for lack of a, a better word with with their core business but i just try to keep myself excited and if i find myself drifting that way just kind of actively going out and and and, and seeing what's out there seeing what's going on to to get re-energized and reinvigorated oh that's good that's good um what's something that's working really well for you or, or for your clients right now um i'd say uh, something that's working really well for us um we looked and looked for probably two years for a, a, a workflow application that worked. And we've, uh, for probably two and a half years now, um, have been using Jetpack Workflow, um, which I know is out there kind of in all the publications and they advertise and are kind of known. Uh, but that, that's, that runs our business. Uh, so I'd say of, of top, kind of top five, um, top five things we've put into place since the beginning that that's that's certainly in there um so i'd say of, of everything we're doing right now that seems to be the best um simple straightforward um yeah so yeah yeah um if you were to recommend one book to our listeners what would that be uh one one book that i've read a couple times um given out to some clients as presents too is um this book it's called Let My People Go Surfing and, and the founder of Patagonia, Yvonne Chouinard, uh wrote it and it's um part kind of the story of that company, um and part kind of just business philosophy and slow growth and keeping the focus on your goals and your lifestyle and, and kind of maintaining all those important things and and just kind of growing deliberately and treating treating your people that are in your organization right and treating your customers right. Um, so that's a good book. I mean, a lot of the, the business books, you know, kind of um, 
kind of get in, seem to get into the details a little, a little much. This is kind of part, part, part an interesting story of that company's path and then, uh, part kind of really instructive stuff too. So yeah, I'd say of all books, that, that's been the one that's been the most meaningful for me. I like it. I'll have to check that out. I've not even heard yeah, of it. Yeah, it's great. Book. Yeah. Um, Let my people go surfing. Cool. Um, what's one bit of advice or uh, guidance or life lesson you'd like to share with with the people listening? Um, I'd say, um, I think I mentioned this before, just, um, and I think my response that I kind of drafted for this or, or, or thought about for this was more kind of starting a, you know, related to starting a business. And, and, and I think I mentioned this before, just having a, you know, tr- try to try to bring your plan all the way down to your day almost uh, from the very beginning. And, and plans do change, and mine has changed a lot over the years. But um, having something that kind of yeah drives your day um, and and allows you to end the day and know you've accomplished your goals, you can kind of go home and and, and, and try to turn things off. Um, that was always hard in the early years, was just turn it, turning it off and. Yeah. Felt if you had emails to respond to or, or work to do that you should just be doing you should be doing it and, and not tending to to your downtime. Um and having that structure that kind of breaks your day or week or month down really helps you know, okay, well I'm done everything I need to do, that was the plan and, and I'm gonna go home. So that's uh something I've learned probably the hard way. Um but uh would would have been helpful in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, Drew, thanks uh, thanks again for being so generous with your answers and open and um, willing to share everything with us. We just really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you very much. You're quite welcome. We'd like to thank you for listening in on this podcast. To learn more about Keesler CPA PLLC, please visit www.keeslercpa.com. To learn more about Poe Group Advisors, please visit www.pogroupadvisors.com.